0: Awe,
1: awe, awe, dear brothers, welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Forest Brothers Podcast. It is me, your host, Muta Chris Don Makufa, back in the cut. What's good, boys? What's happening? Another week? Another month? We are here? But, you know, let me start here by saying hello to my brothers. N'Gome Zulu, say hello to the listeners for us, please.
0: Oh, hello, Mr. Muta. Hello, Mr. Uh, Mr. Masanga. And hello to all of our listeners out there. And as always, happy to be back at the podcast. And... uh for all the listeners out there, it was good to have the APL back and uh, to watch some soccer. It's been, it's been a, long, a long, treacherous two months now, but now that we have the beautiful game of soccer back, uh, we'll be back uh, in full force, week in and week out, uh, bringing new content on this beautiful platform.
1: Yeah, well, indeed, indeed. Mr. Penguini, in the chemist, I want you to say hello to the lovely listeners out there.
2: Dear listeners, great to be back. Great to be back in this new month. As always, great to be on the pod. Great to be here with my brothers, Mangoro and Mori. Boys, I'm excited. Uh, Let's get the show on the road.
1: Yeah, let's get started here, boys. And um, this week, you know, we have to give some attention to the things that are happening there in Spain, in La Liga. You know, Barcelona, to be more specific, because I don't know what they're doing there, but they're running some other some other the Spaz, shop or I don't know what they're doing there at Barcelona. They're just doing things out of this world, shocking everybody in the football world. You know, I, I, I have no idea what is happening there. And I think a lot of our listeners would like to understand what exactly is happening because, you know, we've seen in the stories how Manchester United has been begging for Frankie de Jong to come. And Frankie does not want to, be, to come to my United. You know, he'd rather be a goalkeeper on the bench than go play for my United. But, you know, financially speaking, Maybe you'd have to, maybe you'd have to go, you know. Oh, I, I heard some rumblings about him going to Chelsea or something. Who knows? <laughs> but we also saw that clip of him playing for his life there in La Liga. You know, I, we can all see how talented of a man he is. Hopefully, this whole saga does not ruin or curtail his career in any way. Um, but I'll I'll hand it over to my boy Sangi, Mister Sampson. I know that you you've been you know keeping up with the news about the the happenings there in La Liga and. The shady business practices that we all see are happening in barcelona but does not seem like the authorities are doing anything about it or maybe they're working in the background who knows but it seems like some some nefarious activities happening and you know it needs to be addressed so Sangi, let me hand it over to you my guy like talk to us about this saga like what is going on with barcelona and how do they keep affording buying all these players when they can not afford to pay $11 million or $50 million in wages to Frankie, you know, how can they afford to pay $50 million for Rafinha, for example, whatever it is, you know, my numbers might be inaccurate there, but you get the picture, you know, they're spending hella racks. How are they doing it, bro? When they're broke.
2: Right. So um, long story short here is that Barcelona are very broke. They're in a lot of debt and they've accumulated that debt. Over the last 10 years or so, uh, maybe even even longer. And the main way they've accumulated that debt is by keeping um, these high earning players around way too long. You know, people like Xavi, who's the coach now, he's part of the problem. All the players like Puyol, who left a little earlier, players like Danny Alves, Jordi Alba, are still there, PK, still there. That fantastic Barcelona side, we all saw beat Man United in 2011. The Barcelona board kind of did just about everything it could to keep that core group together. But also, they also tried to add to it. um, We saw Neymar go to Barcelona. We saw David Villa went went to Barcelona. We saw Alexis Sanchez went to Barcelona. You had all these great players that they recruited, but they never restructured the team they never sold anyone they never said goodbye to anyone it was just adding and adding and adding and even when they sold Neymar you know shockingly you know they shocked the world you know when the PSG hit that release fee they didn't even you know use that money to kind of reinvest or to kind of give people better deals or just save that money and spend it wisely you know in ways that you can improve the squad smartly maybe young players here and there They just spent on more expensive guys, you know. They got 222, they spent 355. Like, it's madness. But anyways, this all came to a head during the pandemic, and Barcelona were going to be fine, um, like most big clubs are, if they just kept making money. But the pandemic kind of just threw a wrench in all that. Um, And their profits took a huge, huge... And that's why Messi had to leave. You know, they just they couldn't afford to keep couldn't afford to keep Danny Elvis as well. And now we're seeing them spend a lot, spend heavily, and it's because they've been able to activate what they're calling these economic levers. And what these economic levers are are just basically more borrowing and selling different assets of the club to private stakeholders. Like for example, we've I'm sure we've all heard about their deal with Spotify. The naming rights for the stadium that was worth sixty two and a half million a year. You know that you know probably contributed to their transfer budget. They also went to Goldman Sachs last year. You know it's a big American bank, um, and they took out a further one point five billion loan, and that was just to restructure their debts. On that
1: point, saying I just have a quick question: Was that bad business for Spotify? You think? You know them sponsoring Barca. <laughs> Like, if you're attached to Barcelona right now, was that good for anybody? <laughs> or is Spotify's name getting tarnished? And maybe maybe the the, the $10 a month is going to fall. Maybe we could go back to paying 5 bucks, you know, <laughs> a month. <laughs> or maybe they'll, maybe they'll even start charging us more just to pay off Barcelona's debts. I hope this doesn't impact us, man. <laughs>
2: I mean, Daniel Ek was about to buy Arsenal. So I'm sure, you know, that was going to cost them, like, what? Um, I don't even know, but that was going to be racks. That was going to be in the billions, right? So sixty two million—that's nothing. He—he's he's probably has that in his couch. He's not thinking about that. That is really nothing. But yeah, another lever they activated was um, selling television rights. So they were going to sell twenty five percent of their television rights for the next twenty five years, um, and in exchange, um, to a you know to a global investment group, and in exchange they got two hundred sixty seven million. Um, and all these funds um, are basically them saying, okay, we are trading over the future. We are betting on the future. We think we're going to be good if we invest now. You know, if we add Lewandowski, we add Rafinha, we add, um, for some reason, Marcos Alonso. I don't know why they would do that, but they want to add him as well. If we add all these players and we get back to the Champions League and we win La Liga, we win the Champions League, we're going to make all this money back and everything's going to be perfect. That's the basic idea. But it's a huge gamble because, uh, as we all know, football isn't a given. You know, you don't just sign good players and win titles. So, yeah, that's how they're able to afford everything. It's just a big, a big, big gamble um, on their future. And hopefully for them it pays out. But, you know, who knows? Uh, because if it doesn't, you know, Barcelona could become a mid-table team in, like, three years. You know, they will have to sell players... They'll have to downsize or they'll have to dissolve the club. You know, that that will be the two options um, if they don't have immediate success in the near future. So yeah, that's how they'll be able to afford all these uh, transfers.
1: Okay. Interesting stuff. Um, Mangora, what do you, what do you think about this whole fiasco, man? Like how much, how should Barcelona pay for this? Like, do you think there should be some legal action towards the team? Should they dissolve it? Because, hey man, I don't know, like, it just seems a little bit sketchy to me. And it, it seems like it's, t- it's been taken too far.
0: Oh, certainly. Like, uh, as I saw them throughout the window, just keep on buying players, buying players. I kept on wondering to myself, like, last year, around this time, so it's around the same week, actually, funny enough, Lionel Messi walked away because they couldn't balance the books to be able to register him. And a year on from that exact moment, I know it was a different president. I think, I don't know, what was it? Oh, well, actually, it was Laporta, funny enough. Like, same president, a year later, is back in this conundrum. Like, five players, they're now going to activate their fourth lever. In one window, they've activated four levers. By the time they're done, the club won't be owned by anyone. Half of it will be owned by Spotify, the other half will be owned by Barca Studios. Just to be able to register players and they just keep on buying. Like, there's talk of Bernardo Silva coming along from these economic, from the fourth economic lever and they'll be able to register their, their players. So I think what the league is doing is kind of like legal action on like, yo, you keep on spending, you know, you're not seeing anything, we're not seeing anything come into your club, but you keep on spending. So this is one, it's a check method that I think they're using, which is actually going to keep them in check. Uh, for now, because also what they're essentially doing is, as Samson said, they're betting on the now that they need to win now because they watched uh, their next door neighbors, their arch, arch rivals, win the Champions League and La Liga last year. And from Xavi's plan of let's go with the kids, your Nico's, your Gavis, your Pedris, your Rahos, your Minguesas, which is actually quite terrible, uh, these youngsters... Realize that these kids are not gonna win them anything anytime soon. And the Barca fans, because also what Laporta would want is to come in and win trophies, because with Barca presidency, for those that don't know, it's more or less along the lines of you get five years ter- a five year term, and then you have to be re-elected. It's not just a, a whole Roman Abramovich Todd situation where you buy the club and it's your thing, and you and you decide. So for him, maybe he was like, for my legacy, given that I was there at the forefront when Messi left, how do I save my legacy? I win, within this next four years, I'd win a couple of trophies and bring Barca back to the forefront. And then after that, if people feel like I'm not good enough, that's not my mess. Because even on Bartomeu, same thing with Bartomeu. Bartomeu, same thing. He signed all these players, your Paulinho's, your Vidal's, all these weird signings. Uh, because he knew, like, even I don't understand the part where when you sold Neymar and you took that money and you bought Coutinho and Dembele, and then I don't know how you try to balance the books because those two players, over the course of the amortization of their contracts and their fees and stuff, once you paid, well, far exceeds what they got from my, from from the Neymar transfer. So that was just poor management on their part, in my in, in my opinion. So I think for now, like, the league is starting this weekend and they need to think about uh, a way in which they can actually register these players because these players now have been promised, have signed contracts. uh, They expect to be registered this weekend to play. Like, they played this past weekend I believe, even the Juan Camper Trophy and they won it. Uh, I think it was 6-0. Like, all the new players played. People were excited. But come next weekend, we could see the likes of uh, Martin Brethwaite who are being fielded up front and stuff like that and what they're doing to to Frankie Young, I think is like that is just criminal like you cannot take legal action against your own player just to force him to either leave or take a significant pay cut because of a contract that he signed like I think that is inhumane by way of us doing that at Barca and they just need to take the, take a look in the mirror and be like what we're doing is not right I know it'll save the club uh from going to that fourth economic level which has been a last resort. But honestly, if the man wants to stay, just let the man stay. He's good enough for your team. He sees the dire, dire situation there I don't try for that. He has he has, doesn't want to be any a part of any of it.
1: What really surprises me is like a lot of people and a lot of players can see the situation in Barcelona. Why are players like Rafinha for example, Lewandowski for example uh you know and and, and even Jules kunde why all why are they even agreeing to go play for barcelona when they know and can clearly see that frankie has not gotten his money and he's not the only one you know a lot of other players have not gotten their money barcelona is broke real madrid are you know maybe gonna even run away with it like what is the is it just because you know they grew up fanboys of barcelona and they're like you know what even if they're broke, I don't care. I just want to be registered as a Barcelona player at some point in my career. And I don't care what happens to me in the future, even though it, it, it probably means you're just going to be broke or they're going to steal your money and run away and just going to be broke. And I, mean, I don't know, man. Like, what's the incentive right now as a player to leave? Like, if I was Bernardo Silva, I would not mind sitting on the bench at Man City, eating that Saudi money, like, rather than going to Barca and being broke and playing. You know, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Mangoro, maybe you have an answer for me here, but like, is there really an incentive? Do you understand why players haven't agreeing to sign new contracts with Barcelona, given the situation they've seen
0: unfold over these last few months? I would say if he would go, if Bernardo would go there, he wouldn't be playing because he wouldn't be able to be registered because they would have been at the salary cap. So I don't know exactly where it'd be. Would it would be another... A situation where some senior players are banned to take a pay cut, so they're able to register that. I think those kind of things give you like that, just that, that public under does kind of like a hint at something being wrong at the club. But all in all, just to go back to your question, I think the biggest one for Barcelona right now is they just need to look at themselves in the mirror and just think about everything they're doing currently. Uh, because they're just all over the place, in my opinion, honestly. Like, you cannot do what they're currently doing and expect to survive. But and also, like, with the players in particular, I think we need to keep in mind Xavi has been a critical role, played a critical role in what's happened in the last couple of weeks with the players they've signed, because the players have looked at who Xavi was as a player rather than who Xavi is as a coach. And they're being sold that idea. And I'm pretty sure in the conversation that they have with those players, it's like, yo, the Xavier. Like I see the vision of what we're going to come do here. And what, probably what he's telling them is that in the background, don't worry about the background. The background will be taken care of, but on top of it will be able to register you. They've made promises to your Christensen's, Kessies, Rafinha, Shoskunde, Lewandowski soon, Marcus Alonso, quite exciting for me, uh, stuff like that so I think that's like the biggest piece and now it's, it's coming, to be better, coming to blow up in their face again and hopefully this falls apart and uh, we can sneak in there and Jules Koundé can finally come home <laughs> that'll be the only way <laughs>
1: Chelsea can finally get the players they wanted <laughs> you know, Ted Bowley like, you know what Frankie I'll I'll give you. I'll even give you fifty mil just just for just come over, man. Because I Chelsea, then Chelsea sounds like anything is flying these days, man. Like before the window closes, looks like they'll do anything. (laughs) But uh, ish, man. Like this Barcelona situation is just very interesting to me, and I just don't get it. But you know, enough about that. Enough about Barcelona. It's okay. We've we've probably paid them even more by just featuring them this long on the podcast. So you know, it's okay. We've done Spotify a favor even. <laughs> so, boys, let's talk about uh, the Premier League. Game week one. What a week. What an opener. Shocker is here. You know, so many things happened, you know, disappointments, triumphs, all the stories, you know. The only thing missing was a red card. That's That's, that's all we needed. We, I, even though a few players did deserve red cards and that didn't just happen. And we'll get into that. But Let's start with the first game. Arsenal playing Crystal Palace. You know, um, just just talk about FPL for a second. Jesus has broken records for being the most heavily owned player coming into game Week one. Like, if you did not have Jesus in your team, you'd be sweating. Bullets. But what did he do? Didn't do nothing. Man blanked. No, no assist. No goal. You know, maybe one or two shots on target. That was, that was really about it. Quiet day in the office for the boy Jesus. You know, I guess maybe needed a couple of disciples, but, you know, and it didn't, didn't, didn't really work out for the man. So, I mean, Arsenal did end up, you know, Martinelli did come to the rescue. You know, he was the true savior of the day. Uh, he, he 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 did the things. Um, but from what you saw, Samson, as our resident Arsenal supporter here, you know, Crystal Palace are an easy team to just go and beat, especially at home. Vieira has got those boys trained up. Like, you know, they, they, they you know, they didn't just take it lying down, you know. They were, like, pushing. So your first impressions about that game, Sanji, like, how did you feel about what you saw? Are you still optimistic? Uh, what do you think needs to change? Do you think this is a good trajectory in terms of um, Arsenal moving forward? And do you still see Jesus hitting the ground running just from his performance in the
2: first week? I think it was a great start from Arsenal. I wouldn't uh, read too much into it because I think Crystal Palace, um, especially in the first half, it was clear that those boys just weren't as ready, as fit, as sharp as Arsenal were. I mean, you could see it in the way that you know Arsenal players were rotating, you know, in particular. Um, you had a few sequences in the first half where... Zinchenko, Martinelli, Granit Xhaka, Jesus, Odegaard—all swapped positions, like in the same sequence, and it was so beautiful to watch. And it's the kind of, it's the kind of thing you, you, you can imagine has taken weeks and weeks of training, and that was good to see. You know that kind of uh, cohesion, that kind of uh, execution. You know, in terms of, you know, people have often questioned what Arteta's plan really is. And I think this weekend we started to see parts of it, you know, um, especially for extended periods of time in the game. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it was just the first game. And the other team wasn't uh, at their best, really. Wait, second. Actually, I have
1: to say, though, looking at the, st- the, the stats from that game, both teams had 10 shots each. Both teams had two on target. It's just that Arsenal were more clinical with their two shots. Crystal Palace actually had more possession. Total possession for the whole game was 57%. Arsenal was 43 And Crystal Palace had more passes, 562 as compared to Arsenal's 438. They even had a better pass accuracy. They had 86% more pass accuracy and Arsenal had 82%. So... And, I mean, Arsenal in five corners, Chris Palazza at three. So, I mean, there really wasn't much to differentiate. It's just that maybe Arsenal were a bit more clinical at the end, you know? And also, Saka's goal was a deflection. I don't know if that really counts, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, I mean, how, what do you think about that?
2: Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about. So, it's still early days. So, if you saw the game in the first half, Arsenal dominated. Arsenal were were getting the ball forwards as smoothly as you've ever seen them do it under Arteta. But in the second half, for large parts of the second half, Arsenal were defending. Arsenal were, you know, like we had Jesus in front of our 18-yard box a lot of the times. Our out ball was, was Amsaka on the right, and we'd get it out to him, and he had, he'd have nowhere to go, and he'd lose it. Then we would be back defending. And it was only until... You know, we got the counterattack that led to you know, Saka's deflection goal. That things actually settled down, and it became clear that we're going to win the game. But until then, it was in the air, you know. But that's what i was saying. You know, it is still early days, and um, you could just see in the difference in performances you know, between the first half and the second half that, as good as they were in the first half, it's still something they need to work on and perfect with time. Um, but the positive thing for all Arsenal fans to see is that even though they were under pressure in the second half, they worked so hard. Like, they just... like I saw people trashing Odegaard on Twitter after the game, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing because Odegaard was chasing down everyone. He was closing down every single defender holding midfielder that Crystal Palace had picking up the ball. And... Without his energy, I'm pretty sure Crystal Palace would have been able to build more from the back. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's just how it was. It's just the first few games, um, you're going to get disjointed performances. But it was, a, it was a good start, and I think for everyone who's picking Gabriel in the FPL, I would say give it until the end of August before you dump him out because, again, these guys, are, they're just coming off of preseason. It's the first game. They're going to keep training, they're going to keep working, they're going to get more match fit match fit as they play more games, you know, and who knows, in the next couple of games, he might get you a hat. You never know, so I wouldn't put too much stock in the first game in terms of performances, who showed out, who didn't, but overall, I think Arsenal are very positive and, but they definitely have a few things they need to work on um, to be more consistent. Do
1: you think uh, Saliba will be the Star player for your team this year, based on your perform, based on what you saw in his performance in the first game.
2: Well, if you recall, Mutsa, I was already raving about Saliba during uh, the transfer window. Um, I already told you guys about the story of uh, his ex-manager at uh, Marseille, who, when told he wasn't, you know, the club weren't going to pursue another loan or transfer for Saliba for this season, he quit. That should tell you something. You know, If your manager quits when they tell you they can't sign you, that that should tell you something. Also, he was the young player of the year and he got called up to the French national team. So, yeah, what you saw, that wasn't a one-off. He was doing that all season last year and he just kept it up um, uh, when he came back as an Arsenal player. So I expect him to show up with even more fantastic performances at the back for Arsenal. And the way they play with Ben White, you know, with Ben White dropping into the mid- midfield. I expect him to start more games because, honestly, Ben White is so comfortable in the midfield when Arsenal are in possession, occupying that space. Humans and Zinchenko were really great, you know, stepping into midfield as infer- inverted um, backs. I expect them to just keep doing that as much as they possibly can because it worked so well and it looked so good. So, yeah, I think Saliba's going to be a start. And I'm very excited. This is what... Arsenal fans already knew this. Three years ago, when we spent 35 mil, we knew. We were like, that guy is going to save us. And everyone thought we were crazy. By the way, Spurs tried to steal him from us, and you couldn't. I just had to put that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, I have a
1: fractured relationship with Saliba because when y'all bought him, was it last year or two seasons ago? I was like, okay, bet. Saliba, there's so much hype. I'll put him in my FPL team. What, do they, what does he do? I don't even know. He didn't even play. I don't even think I don't even think Arteta played him and then he just gets loaned out. I don't know, some weird thing happened with Saliba. And I was like, yo, man, what the hell? Like, I just got this man, you know? <laughs> so ever since then, I've had a bit of a fractured relationship with the man Saliba. But um, moving on to the Liverpool and Fulham game, Mangoro, based on what you saw, man, like Liverpool got bullied by a man called Mitrovic, you know? I was very perplexed. I was very surprised. I mean, I remember when we were talking in the group chat, I thought I actually thought that Trent Alexander was solid on Mitrovic. And I mean, I was wrong, obviously. But based on just on that first goal, (laughs) where Mitrovic just towered over Trent, you know, time and time again, we see that Trent is just not as good as people say he is. I don't even know why they kept him as a defender this year. Like, just chuck him in midfield. You know, Thiago is too old. Thiago can't do anything could have even survived the first game like and he's already walking off injured probably done for the next three weeks so you know it sounds like a liability at this point but and i mean and then we see from nunes as well nunes came in impacted the game completely you know he wasn't on for for like what well, he was on for like 20 30 minutes and he you know he, he had an assist he had a goal you know and he did pretty well and and i don't know if that means Klopp will now start him over Firmino or not but I just want to hear from you, Mangoro, just watching or, you know, seeing what happened in that Liverpool-Fulham game. Is that telling? Does that does that show you that Liverpool can be a competing top team? Like, does that look like a Premier League winning team to you? Or, you know, I mean, this, this could be the game that loses it for them, right? Like, <laughs> at the end of it, you know, last, the last season it was only one point. They already lost. They already drew. Is this it? Is it is it done?
0: <laughs> I said this weeks ago. The league will be is already is already complete. Uh, my boy William Holland, he's, he's he has finished the EPL. Uh, it's over. It's over. Let's not lie to ourselves. Going back to Fulham versus Liverpool. Fulham in its in the in, as an actual fact, they're said that it's not a great team. They're not great. It's just that they're coached by a good coach who knows how to set up a team for a specific opponent. And Mitrovic going over to Trent wasn't just a, a thing that he he suddenly thought about. That was one thing that I was pretty much a uh, pre-match, I think they discussed ahead of time. Like, take him on. Like, uh, power tower over him, there join Crosses, and see what happens. Like, and you saw another weak aspect. Uh, last game, biggest game last year, Um, he did what he was was expected, opening game this season, Trent did what I expected him to do, to be a defensive liability, as I always say so I think uh, in actual fact and going back to Liverpool's midfield I did say this a couple of months ago where I said Liverpool will challenge if they have Thiago in midfield and with Thiago as we always say, he's always injured and now he's out again and It's going to be a big challenge for Liverpool going forward. And Firmino didn't, in my opinion, didn't have the best game. I would think that you're going to push your best now that you're currently fighting for the center forward position with two other players. So right now you'll push yourself because Diaz is nailed on on the left-hand side. Salah's nailed on on the right. So it's you, Jota and Darwin. I think you'd have to work a bit harder. Then also just like the fact that Milner still registered at Liverpool, like I think that should just be uh, that, that should that's a crime, like in my opinion. And Naby Keita, uh, always injured. And Van Dijk, like we, we I've heard people praise him quite a bit. Uh so game week one, already giving away penalties, like uh, uh this 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 stuff catches up with you, like uh it'll catch up with you and Liverpool. Some would say they were in it, but in my opinion, lucky to get a draw actually because even the goal they scored, like I don't even think Nunes was passing the ball to Salah. There, it was just a a miscontrol, and you know that number one poacher yeah, there is always ready at the right place. So, uh Liverpool, maybe maybe it's they still have preseason jitters. They're still trying to under, still trying to find themselves, uh, and they'll kick on. But from what I saw initially, they the there's some work that
1: needs to be done. Like I've been saying this from before, man. Liverpool are just not as good as people say they are, man. And, you know, Liverpool fans want to drive this point home like they've got the best players in the league. But I think at this point, even Salah to me looked, yeah, of course, he had a goal and an assist. But Salah to me didn't even look like the man he was last season. You know, I think, maybe, I don't know if that means age is catching up with him uh, or we're still trying to cement the new relationship with Diaz. I really think Mane really held that team together. Like, Mane, for example, like, when when everyone else was playing trash, Mane was there pushing P, you know? And he would, like, be the reason why they even win or draw a game. Now, without him, it just doesn't seem the same. I don't know. Liverpool just don't seem that threatening to me this year. I mean, if they're still throwing Milner on the pitch, Thiago kind of in walk on the pitch without catching a knee, you know, I, 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 I don't know, man. Like, it just doesn't seem... I think I think it's time. I think the time has just run out, you know? I think it's just it's just not the same. It's like when Mercedes were dominating and now it's just, you know, they're lucky to even catch a podium, you know. At some point, it, it catches up with you, you know? Like <laughs> but uh, Samson, you know, we talked about the midfield, Thiago went out, uh they brought on the boy, Cavallo, you know, they also threw in, I think what are the new players they throw in there in the in the mid. But um are you Impressed by the new signings. I mean, Nunes did well, uh and then you know Carvalho. He didn't do too much. He didn't have enough time, to be honest. But you know, he he could do the job. It looks like. But do do they look like they have enough in the midfield? You know, or do they have do they have to depend again this year on Salah? You know, just pushing pushing his limits, even maybe with
2: Diaz. I mean. Do you think the sauce is gone? The thing is, I felt very vindicated watching Liverpool crumble against Fulham. This is because I said this last uh, season on the pod, I, I, I think uh, when Kumbi was around. I said, these guys don't really control the midfield. You know, it's all long balls, right? Thiago wants to play the ball down here. Henderson, look up, cross. Arnold, look up, cross. That's it's all they do. Switch play, cross. That's all they do. It's just long balls and crosses, right? Switch play, cross, and that's the makeup of the midfield. They're, those guys are built to press and run, and hit crossfield balls. That's the midfield, and when that's your midfield, it puts a lot of pressure on your on your forward line to be clinical and to be uh, not only clinical but creative, right? So you saw the two goals they scored. That came from uh, Amsala and Nunes linking up and creating something. What I expected from, from at the, I think, Mangoros Baran, for me was disappointing because I expected him to play like a false nine, drop deep, receive the ball, turn, pass it to Salah, pass it to Diaz. That's what he's done for years, but for some reason he just didn't do it this game. What I expected from Nunes is exactly what he did. I expected him to be the kitchen sink that Klopp wanted him to be. You know, Klopp wanted a fancier kitchen sink than Origi. Origi was a good kitchen sink, but he was rusty. He wasn't as reliable. This is a brand new gold-plated kitchen sink. Like, he is a huge monster of a man who you can just throw at defenses and just whip balls in and something will happen. And that's the game plan. And something did happen. Now, is that enough to win the league? Personally, I don't think so. For example, you contrasted with the way Man City used Haaland. I'm, I'm not even going to focus on the on the pen or um, yeah, the pen he scored or the other goal, but just look at the um, his run to get the pen. Just look at that run. That's a run that Man City can generate like 50 times in a game if they want to. Like they can make space for him to make that run a hundred times, and you will not catch him. It's impossible to stop. Liverpool can't do that. Liverpool don't have the midfield makeup, the midfield movement, the attacking line movement to create that sort of opportunity. So Nunes' chances are going to come from competing with defenders, um, chasing down, you know, knockdowns and second balls, and just being a poacher in and around the box. And that is just. Harder to win. It's just going to be hard to win, especially tight games where teams are sitting back and you have to break them down. So yeah, I I mean, I just, I don't think they're going to win. But I do think Nunes is going to score some goals and he's going to bail them out in a few games. Salah's going to get his numbers. Diaz is going to do his best impression of Mane. But I believe those glory days are gone just the same as Sadio Mane. (laughs) <laughs> let's hope
1: so i just hope you know as i was saying boys liverpool probably finished third maybe even fourth this year who knows but talking about the team on top of the premier league table tottenham hotspur boys you all saw that game 4-1 quarter demolishing didn't even give them any room It could have even been worse ralph was back on ralph was back roughing as it is you know he could have really taken more. That could have really been an 8-1 game, you know? <laughs> if only Kane was, like, on top of his game. Like, I, I don't know why he was playing so deep. But, you know, we did we did get the first goal against us. And I, I was I was kind of scared there, you know, when Ward Prowse, you know, got in that goal in the, in, in the first 12 minutes. But, you know, we came back strong, you know? And I was saying, you mentioned this in the part before about how the Tottenham wingbacks are the ones that are going to be scoring goals you know, getting the assists, and it happened, right? So Senor did us good. Dyer on the score sheet. Salusu on goal. Salasu was playing the league, in my opinion. I don't know why he's still a registered professional footballer. I've been saying this for years. Man is garbage. He, I think he scored that on goal on purpose. I don't know what he was doing. And then Kulusevsky. Kulu with the sauce. He was out there doing that, man. He was running those kids like a mock man, but I was very impressed. And I think it could have even been better. Like, you know. And for me, that shows me that Tottenham will be a top two or even top three side. Just based on what we saw. Because, like, we all know Kane doesn't do well in August. And when he does start playing well, all hell's going to break loose, you know. And this five signings, new rule thing, you know. And Conte could just really wipe out the whole backline, just put new players there I and mean, whatever he wants to do. I think this, is, this new rule benefits Tottenham a lot because um, they have a, like, a lot of people on the roster that they can just fill in in different spaces. We didn't even see Jed Spence play. And that's one of our biggest summer signings, right? I mean, Busuma came in and got a yellow card in the first minute or two, so I don't think he really counts. But, you know, it was just very impressive from, from the Tottenham boys. Gomez Zulu, from what you're seeing man, like are you convinced that Tottenham will just run away with it? You know, let me even just look at the next few games here. We have we are playing Chelsea next, which I assume will be a tough game, but given how Chelsea played the first game, maybe you can talk more about it. Yeah, maybe we can maybe I can ask you how you what you think is going to pan out in the Chelsea Tottenham game. But after that we we'll play Wolves and then um NFL was in Nottingham Forest, and then West Ham, and then Fulham, you know? So, winnable games. But, Gome, let me ask you, my guy, like, given what you saw, the performance from Tottenham in the game game week one, and given the fact that they play Chelsea the next game week on the the 13th of August, do you see Tottenham beating Chelsea at this point in time? Let's start there.
0: Uh... (laughs) I'd say honestly the toss-up. Like currently looking at the current form you'd say yeah Spurs would win, but you just ne- you just never know which Chelsea could turn up. You could see a Chelsea that won the Champions League turnout for that game. Or you could see the one that turned up this past weekend and Spurs could roll over them. It could be either one. Uh just going back to the Southampton game real quick, I think what Mohamed Salisud displayed on that day, I think was appalling. I think we need to call him out. Like, you do not score that own goal. That man took that shot. That shot was going wide. I don't know if he was trying to secure a contract that Spurs, even though they've signed on to play on that left-centre-back left center position in that back three. Like, you don't do that as a professional player. I don't know, but... Week in and week out, he keeps on playing and he's doing this kind of thing. And I think he contributes. But the only positive was the 18-year-old, they put in midfield uh, from the Man City Academy. I think it's Lavia or something, number 45. his ball control. His player, he was was pretty decent. He's nice uh, nice and tidy, little midfielder there. But going back to the Chelsea game, just to touch on that one, I think this weekend uh, it could be a toss-up, like, Uh, Tuchel, uh, he could do the most weird thing. Like uh, we've seen the last couple of days, uh, a lot of players have left the club. Timo Werner, Droy is on the brink of leaving. Uh, Marcus Alonso as well, and Malangso has left. I've been saying Malangso needs to be for quite a quite a while now, but it's good to see that Tuchel has been listening to the Forest Brothers podcast, and she's finally waking up to the reality. It's just I'm just waiting for number five, Jorginho, to step aside as well uh, for the most part, but honestly, Moussa, for me, like I, I do not see us winning that game, given how we played last weekend uh, against Spurs. Uh, I think the best we can hope for is a draw. The only positive we currently have right now is Khalidu and Edouard, looking back to his former glory. I think maybe it's because he's, he's currently in contract negotiations, so he's trying to build his case there for a big contract because he's, what, 30 years old now? Or could be, like, his last big contract? So I think there's that piece as well.
1: Well, also, I know this news that Werner is, is he's leaving Chelsea or he's left already. You know, Lukaku is gone. And I see Breuer. Is Breuer your own strike? is, is Oh, in Havertz. Are those the only two strikers you have currently at Chelsea? And, like, I mean, how do you feel about that, bro? Like, do you think that's enough even to be a competitive team this year, given the fact that... He only can depend on Brian Havertz. And, you know, Havertz was out there praising, talking like he's a defender, talking about, you know, we got a clean sheet. I'm like, bro, where are your goals at, though? You know, like, he <laughs> didn't score nothing, mate. <laughs> so, I mean, are you disappointed? Do you think Chelsea needs to buy a, a star striker right now? I've also heard that no player wants to touch the number nine jersey because they think it's all cursed. And we've all seen the shambolic nature of all the number nines who've done who've donned the Chelsea shirts in the last decade. So.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I think maybe it is because maybe maybe it's all just all in their heads. Um, I don't know. Yeah, currently the two strikers we have, they are proposing the idea of playing Sterling as a false nine, are Broya and Havertz, and it looks like they'll rotate throughout the season. Werner is gone, went back to Leipzig for twenty million. What an absolute disaster of a signing, in my opinion. We made a loss. He didn't give us much in two years that he was at Chelsea. So all in all, I think th- there's just a lot happening. Uh, there's talk of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang coming to Chelsea. Uh, the boy Fabrizio has been following the story. And if that happens, I will literally, I will play This is unacceptable. This cannot happen. This man walked out of Arsenal. And you're now bringing him back to the EPL. That is an absolute disaster in my opinion. The more I watch this window unfold for us, so I was optimistic. Like, why, why are you signing Marco Correa for £57 million when we have Ben Chilworth? I know Alonso and Emerson will leave, but you don't go. What, what, what is the plan there? Can you sort out the center backs first? Because. You've seen Malangsa. He was not good enough. He got rid of him. Uh, you don't have faith in Ethan Ampadu. In my opinion, I think Ethan Ampadu should be given a chance. Trevor Chalabar should play sporadically. Uh, he should be given... Because I think once he gets comfortable in the team, as think he starts making mistakes. Thiago and Koulibaly won't play the entire season. So I think there are things to that need to be taken care of there at the back, as well as Aspili Quetta. You saw in this past weekend... Uh, I think age is catching up with him. We need to look at some young fresh blood. Uh, I know signing Wesley for final be an overpayment. Uh, in my opinion, like the 80 minute and minute million they're calling us, but he's 21 years old. Like this man is could be there for the next ten years and the man is talented and we've seen him.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean let's let's see, let's see how that goes, man. Uh, all the best to Chelsea, you know. I I and I know I know Ted Bowley's got a few more tricks up his sleeve. Who knows? Maybe he'll sign Cristiano Ronaldo from from from, from Manchester. United. You never know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a mad thing. But you know, even talking about Manchester United, guys, like we need we need to we need to address. We need to just we need to dedicate a whole day just to talk about what we've seen at Manchester United. But let's just let's just let's just give it a little snippet here from what we saw. You know, ten Ben ten Hag leaves Cristiano out for the first half of the game. You know, we see Cristiano down the bench talking to Varane, acting like he's like my guy. You know, let me fix sickness. and do even come back here. I don't want to play with this club anymore. Let just chuck him on. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he has the patience to carry the team anymore either. And we saw the absolute shambolic performances from Fred and McTominay. You know, McTominay should probably have been sent off for that time. I saw a picture where there were like six Manchester United attackers. And like... I think, was it four defenders? And Man United Man United walked away with a yellow card from that situation. And it's like, how? How? You've got Rashford on the side there, got Sancho on the side there, Bruno on the side there. Like, my guy, just just pass the ball, McTominay. Just, it's okay. It's okay. You're not Perlow. It's fine. You know, <laughs> know your strengths, bro. You know, and it doesn't seem like he does. You know, I, I think even Scores has had enough. Neville has had enough. I'm sure even Alex has had enough. I know Alex used to praise that boy, but it doesn't seem like McSauce is up to the source at Manchester United. Maybe he needs to go play for some other team there just just to build his confidence back up because maybe, maybe he needs to go down to the championship and play for Norwich. You know, maybe that will help him out a bit. But I don't know, gentlemen. I was telling you all, man, they were going to finish ninth this season. But from what I saw, you know, I don't know if they can make top 10. You know, they got embarrassed by Brighton 4-0. Was it 4-0 last season? Like at the end? completely demolished now Brighton just go play like flutes at Old Trafford like I don't think Brighton are scared of Manchester United anymore like I, I, I saw some post that was saying United should just stop thinking that they're top four team like just accept that you're mid just you're just a mid team now it's, it's fine you know stop trying to give like this image that you all are top four because the glory days are long gone and they're not coming back so <laughs> I, I don't know man like Samson, as you see this Old Trafford situation from Manchester as well from that first game, you know, getting, getting bullied by your former player a while back, getting bullied by Gross, getting bullied... By, I saw Maguire was getting ended by Trossard, and Trossard is half his size. I'm like, Harry, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Just abysmal, man. Abysmal, but like, what are your takeaways right now from Manchester United? What do, you, do you think Ben Ten Hag is even a chance to do anything with this team? Like, does he have a fighting chance or does he look like one of those coaches from Ted Lasso who's just there for vibes?
2: Honestly, um, the way they started the game, first five to ten minutes, was was positive. You know, It wasn't great, but you could kind of see what Ten Hag was thinking. And, and I, I know putting Ericsson up top was a strange decision, but... You would see Eriksen drop in, you know, he was being a false nine. You'd drop into midfield. midfield, play passes out wide. McTominay would make the run from deep, get into the box. And then, you know, there'd be players in the box ready to receive the ball from across. It made sense, right? It made sense. It looked good. It looked like it was going to work. But I said this a long time ago, guys. They need a defensive midfield because, I mean, I, I don't even like Manchester United. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. And I even, I missed the game. I didn't watch the game live. I watched it yesterday um, just to, just to get an idea, you know, just beyond the highlights, you know, what was going on. And man, I was so angry just watching Fred. Fred made me so upset. Like, as a professional football player, how do you just refuse to pass the ball to anyone who's beyond two meters from you? Like, Fred would look at someone and and just do a quick calculation. Is that two meters? Are they two meters away? Okay, no, I can't pass to them. Let me pass to this guy who was marked by three guys. That, he did that the whole time until he was subbed. He did not want to pass any more than two meters. He was like, how, as a professional football player, the first week do you not have the confidence to pass the ball? How? How is that possible? Like, I was so angry. And I think Eric Bentenhard. Has so many issues to fix. But just get rid of Fred. Just put someone else in there. Put Lisandro Martinez as, as a DM. That team is instantly way better. Now, overall performance, yeah. A lot more issues. I mean, there was a point in time, you know, um, Maguire and uh, Lisandro Martinez were doing... Uh, I mean, they looked like clowns. They ran across each other. Um, which is something you you just... Even at the high school level, primary school level, they, they teach you, you, you can't do that. I <laughs> was a point in time, one, one of them was in front of the other. Like Maguire was behind, uh, you know, it was inside the six yard box. Lissandra Matias was in front of him, and they were just straight in a straight line. And I was like, what? Again, primary school stuff, you, you you just you can't do that at, at any level of football. At any any level of football, you cannot do that. So there's a lot of issues he needs to fix on the training pitch and all that, but man, yeah, Moutsa, I have to say you were right. <laughs> you were right. That's all I can say, man. You are right. These guys suck. Okay, they they suck. They need they need like three months to just fix this to get better because yeah, like there's no confidence. There's no cohesion. There's no structure. I mean, the first goal they conceded was so basic. Like, trust idea I have to work for that. That was the s- most simple run you could make as a striker, in between the two center halves. Just time it a little bit, low acceleration. You get and Welbeck isn't that fast. He's 33, right? It's not like he's Holland. It's not like he's you know Aubameyang in his prime. No, he's 33. Welbeck, you know, he's he's done. Like, he gets subbed off every game. And he's beating your center backs for pace? Like, Gross scored two goals. A lot of people were asking themselves, who the fuck is Gross? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell, man? This is, this is crazy, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. I think if they want to fix this, number one, get rid of Fred. And number two, just... Spend like hours and hours on the training pitch because these guys need it. And also invite some lower league teams over the international break to just beat because they need confidence from somewhere. Tell all the international players, don't go for international duty. Stay here. We're going to have some closed door games against lower league sides, maybe even non-league sides. Just beat them, all of them. Four games, 8-0 each. Get the confidence back up. Get the juices flowing. Cause they need something. They need a jolt somewhere, and uh, that's the only thing I can come up with, man. It's all I got.
1: That might even shoot their confidence, because I don't even think they could beat Derby County at this point. Mangoro, how about you, my guy? <laughs> I know you have. A, I know. I know you always have a lot to say about the the mandem there, Manchester United, the fallen club, the begotten son. You know, or the begotten sons. Talk to us, Mangoro. Like. I, I, do you even feel confident in that team at all? Do you feel confident in Benton Hug? They've had a whole summer to do something. And even their signings right now, they're even getting rejected by the players they want. And no one else wants those players. And like, imagine getting rejected by Arnotovic. I, I, I don't know. If if I was Benton Hug, like, I, I don't, I, I don't I think I'll even throw up on myself. I'm mean, like, this is how disgusted I'll be at the fact that I'm in this job right now, getting rejected. But and you think Frankie's going to come? Like <laughs> After what he just saw? <laughs> I think Frankie would rather just not get paid and be broke in Barcelona and rather than go to United and just be embarrassed. Like, I can't imagine Frankie making that run, expecting a, a pass from McSource or from Fred. Fred, and then he sees Fred look at him and Fred decides to pass the ball. Back to Maguire, I, th- I think Frank would take off his boot and throw it at somebody. I, I think I-, I don't think he wants that for himself. <laughs> but Mongoro, talk to us, my guy. Like <laughs> from what you've seen, from what you think is going to happen, like go up, go ahead, my guy, tell us.
0: I just gave it a moment there, just a moment of silence because I'm just got a loss for words, you know. I think what I've seen this past Sunday is beyond. Feeling terrible. And I think they need to look themselves in the mirror. Like, when it comes to... I know I mentioned to build a club, you need five years. From what I'm seeing at Manchester United currently, they need, the owners need to put down money and start taking money out of the club, start taking loans against the club. Put money into the club and invest in it. I not just invest in some random players from the area to visit. Invest in quality players. Like when Ralph Ranić mentioned last year, after he left, that they needed ten players. I was laughed at him and thought he was joking. Now we're seeing it come to the forefront. Now we are now seeing it each week. Like preseason is a different thing. That's why I always tell people don't watch preseason. Preseason is a very is very deceiving. Don't follow preseason and think it's the peel and end all because you saw what happened there. Pascal goal Gross doesn't score very many goals, but this past weekend. Got a brace at Old Trafford opening day. Like, this is, I think, this is shambolic. It is, it is bad. And what is the reaction after that? The defeat? The players come out and say, Yeah, it's not acceptable. Stop saying it's not acceptable. Show us on the field that it's not acceptable. I don't support Manchester United, but what I'm witnessing there is not, I don't think that's professional soccer. I don't know. What's happening there? Like, Sir Alex, he, he could have a heart attack while watching that. Like, Gary Neville, when they asked him about Anatovich's bid being rejected, he was at a loss for words. He was a man that has an opinion on everything. He was just like, I have no comment. And they kept on asking him, probing him. So, like, the fact that they actually want Anatovich immediately after they lose that game, like, I don't know, man. Like, And the fact that it got rejected, the one player you want, Anatovic, he's been to China on his Chinese holiday, come back to Bologna, he's got got 14 goals, and you want to sign him? That's your reaction after losing to Brighton? Uh, Anatovic will change the fortunes? This is another audience situation. Exactly the same. The other player you linked with, or now agreed in principle with, Adrian Rabiot. This is a player that Juventus this is actually I'm pretty sure Juventus chief executives there, your net vets and them, are actually smiling from cheek to cheek. Because this summer, to balance the books, they were actually on the brink of actually releasing Rampio. And man, you're now offering him 20, offering him twenty million for this guy, and you're not gonna bring him in to your club? I hope he does well, but honestly, this this is bad. Like, honestly, I think that's game one and you know? all. I think if I'm Eric Ten Hag, like, I take all the players that I played last year, I put them outside, and I put these kids, your Ganachos, your high mesh uh uh these little kids, and a James Garner, uh, I don't even know the name but Dean Henderson, and I just pretty much just say I'm building, give me five years, and then I, I, I try get money for what I can get money for with the players that I have, and I start looking at teams like your Newcastles, your Leicesters, and start looking for players there, because these players that they've recruited so far, they're just not going to cut it in the CPL season. And it is just bad, man. Like, honestly, I just hope that the situation gets better. Like, I'm I'm all emotional about it now, and usually not an emotional guy, but ah, if this was my club, I would take a sabbatical. Uh, over a couple of years. come um, so I'm supporting them and come back when they're when much better. Because currently the trajectory, uh, I don't know what's going to happen next Monday when they play Liverpool. That could, be, that could be a funeral. That could be Liverpool just exposing all their weaknesses. And I fear for them, honestly. I fear for them.
1: No, we, we really do fear for them. I mean... Do you boys think this is how it starts? Because, like, I mean, I heard that at some point Leeds United, right? They were the number one team in the Premier League, and now, you know, and then they somehow they got out and they became a bottom feeder, and then they've been in and out of the Premier League and everything. Blackburn Rovers as well used to dominate; they won the Premier League as well, right? And now we don't even know where they are. Is this Manchester United's trajectory? You know, they were at the pinnacle for so however many years. And now it's just a slippery slope downhill. Like, is this the beginning of the end? Or is DDRC hope? Is there hope? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know enough football history to know what happened to Blackburn Rovers or what happened to Leeds and how they got to where they are. I mean, even Newcastle, right? Newcastle used to be dominating back in the day as well. And now in, they're only recently coming back. But at some point, Newcastle were not even in the, in the top flight. They were battling in the championship. So, like... Is this Mrs Ned's you know future well i mean i don't I don't know I mean maybe a few boys know more about this than I do, but like uh Sanyo Mangoro I mean Sanyo, do you know like how Blackburn and Leeds got to where they got to Mangoro, i mean I
2: don't know man,
1: but is this the, is this their future
2: okay, so those clubs went down um at very different stages, but blackburn losing Shero was definitely a big part, you know he was. He was their, he was their guy, you know. He won them the league basically in, in the nineties, and then they sold him and never replaced them. Never really rebuilt um, after that. Never re- rebuilt the team to what it was when they won the league. Um, and then, you know, they sell them to mid table, bottom, you bottom half of the league, and then eventually got really the guess. So there was more of like a steady decline. Leeds was just financial mismanagement from the guys at the top, and then. You know they were very nearly like, you know, close to insolvency basically, and they weren't going to have a club. And then they were saved, and then they had to start again. But yeah, I don't see that happening to Man United because I think as grossly as the Glazers have mismanaged the club in terms of not investing, and also, don't know, they do strange stuff with like the um, just the ownership of the club. Because you know Manchester United is now a publicly traded club. Uh, I, I think it, they, like they're too big to to fail, you know. I, I think what if you, if you if they were gonna go down the same way these went, what to go down? We need to go through like two pandemics, and like they would need to keep like signing players like Ronaldo and them, and like keep incurring all these debts. I don't see that happening. What I do see happening is them becoming them entering their banter era, which I've been looking forward to for a while now. I believe it's time for banter football for Manchester United. You know, McFred in the midfield, Shorty, Lisandro Martinez at the back, <laughs> barely barely holding, holding on to strikers. And uh, yeah, Ronaldo trying to terminate his contract. Like, I think this is, this is the banter era. Nothing works. Everything is disjointed. You know, they can, I think they're going to win. You know, they, they have the game against Liverpool coming up. Funny enough, I think they might even win that game. Might, they might win it like 2-1. But you know what? In the next couple of weeks against Bournemouth, they might get hit like six. Like, this is that era. This is where we're at. And I am so ready for it. Because, you know, it's the banter era. Nothing makes sense. Because Arsenal were there. Arsenal were in the banter era for a while. And I, I promise, it doesn't make sense. You can beat big teams every now and then. But you will have the most ugly results you have ever... Imagined, ever fathom, and I can't wait to see it happen. But yeah, I think they're just going to be like in that ninth to seventh field, you know, even at their lowest, just because it's Man United, too big to fail, and that's just the case with most big clubs
0: these days.
1: Okay, okay, no, that's that sounds that sounds good. I mean, you know, looking at the side of Manchester, I don't even think we need to talk too much about Man City. You know, we all knew this was going to happen. We all knew De Bruyne was just going to be there, feeding Haaland like a little baby, you know, like just just killing opposition, man. I, I, you know, I, I, I know there was a debate about, okay, you know, in first game week, do you win Captain Kane? Do you Captain Haaland? I mean, we all saw now, like Haaland could have had a hat trick, you know. He really could have done it. And Pep was like, nah, my, nah, my guy, relax. The hat tricks are on the way. I just want you to show all these mandem that you can do it. <laughs> just, just 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 to put the doubters at bay. And Holland just it's just it's looking too easy. Like, as I was watching that game, I mean West Ham were beating big teams that season. But against City, they barely touched the ball, fam. Like, they had it here and there, but West Ham looked non-existent, and City just had the whole, the whole show. Cancelo was running in there like some false nine, like a like a left back like a centre-back. Like, I can of just bossed that whole thing. Like, I don't know I, I how many metres even ran. Like, ha, huh, It's looking unfair this year. It's looking quite unfair. Uh, and, and, and Holland didn't look like he sweated that game, you know, after 90 minutes. It just it didn't look... It looked like he was ready to play again. <laughs> so, if that's what they got, hey, man. You know, Grealish also was doing pretty decent. I think we all talked about Grealish. Grealish was doing pretty decently. But so I think, I think with Man City, let's just see how they keep on cracking on, you know. But before we end the segment here, boys, you know, let's uh, give first impressions about the promoted sides uh, in terms of like what well, we saw, you know, because I know we, we expected Fulham to get a demolishing from Liverpool. That didn't happen. Bournemouth won their first game. And Forest, you know, maybe, 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 maybe we should. We should sponsor the Forest, the, the Nottingham Forest team, because, you know, we are the Forest brothers. But Forest, they, I think they lost, right? Actually, let me, let me just make sure about that. Yeah, they got ended by Newcastle. So, seems like it was the only team promoted that lost. But first impression, boys. Samson, go ahead, my guy. First impression, um, promoted teams. What is it looking like to you? Has, has they, have they changed? Do you feel confident about them? Give us your first impressions.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, before I jump into the promoted teams, Man City and Haaland, watching Haaland up top and watching how much they dominated the ball made me realize just how good Man City have been the last two seasons without a striker. Because without a striker, they've had to work so much harder to create chances. And you can see this past weekend, they weren't working that hard to keep the ball. Like, they were, like, in fifth gear. Last two years, they've been in, like, sixth and seventh. But they were in fifth gear, and they were just keeping West Ham at bay. Like they looked like a training session, just passing the ball, passing the ball, and whenever they wanted, release Haaland, release the beast, and he just goes and wrecks everything. So that's one thing, and I think when right, the league is done. Let's forget about it. Let's focus on the Champions League spots. But promoted teams, I was surprised by Fulham. I was surprised by, even more surprised by Bournemouth. Like I thought they were going to get rocked. Aston Villa Um, because we've seen Aston Villa rock some teams you know they they gave Liverpool eight thought this could have been a six or five but apparently not Fulham pressed Liverpool played very progressively Uh, I thought Andres Pereira was really good not only with his work rate but with his passing and creating chances Nottingham Forest uh I don't know, <laughs> I thought they were going to be the decent one. You know, they had the big new signing, uh, Taiwo Iwonye. I think I'm saying that right. And uh, yeah, they just looked like um, they looked like a championship team. Newcastle handled them. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't know which which of them is going to struggle. Um, my gut still says Bournemouth because of the lack of signings, and Fulham because we've seen them struggle before, you know, the, you know, the, doing the same exact thing, you know, playing progressively and then that catching up with them. So I think they will all still struggle, but um, yeah, for me, it's just, let's, let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. It's still too early to, to say.
0: Yeah. I think for me, like just watching those three games, I actually did watch the Newcastle, Nottingham Forest. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks back. When you come up, sign four or five quality players, rather than sign 11 random Joes. And it looks like that's what Nottingham Forest did. And they got exposed there by Newcastle. And now I'm a bit worried about them. I had some faith that they could pull off some some results here and there. Hopefully they'll go back and regroup and come back with something, but I was not impressed. But for me personally, like with Bournemouth, I still think they'll struggle uh, over the course of a season. I think that was a good win that they got uh, Magic 1. Uh, it's just that also, I think Jared, uh I don't know for some odd reason, I think he's getting too big for his boots. Uh, from what I heard, he told Tyron Mings that he'll only play him when he sees, when he sees it in his eyes that he's ready to play. Like, what, what kind of a thing is that? And a strike force of Leon Bailey and Danny Ings, of course, will of the to win that game. So there was just a lot of things that were happening there and I was just I just I just couldn't fathom what they were doing. And know, with Fulham like uh I think they they they, they pick their games that they're gonna play in, like the ones where they're gonna like actually show up at like the big ones. You know, Liverpool's, Man City's, Chelsea's, Arsenal's, uh, probably West Ham. And then when they get to play some random sides, that's when they'll be that's when they'll be beaten and that's why I think they'll lose it in particular, because they're not as motivated. They think just because they've held the bigger team, the other team will just roll over. But as you can see, teams like Bryson, they don't roll over anymore. Teams like Newcastle, don't roll over. Uh, teams like Leicester, uh, who knows? With them. So I think they'll still struggle, um, or hopefully they'll stay in the Premier League. I'm not optimistic. They are a team from West London. I would expect another West London team. But at the end of the day, still very concerned about actually all three of them.
1: You know, actually, I think I have a bit more faith in Fulham. I think given how Mitrovic dominates the championship and given how, you know, I mean, just looking at the next few games, they play Wolves, they play Brentford. I mean, they play Arsenal as well, but then Brighton and then... You know, they have a bad run where they play Tottenham and Chelsea. I don't know, but it just seems Fulham has the the things. But, hey, it's looking a bit tough for Bournemouth. You know, they play City this coming weekend. Then they play, they go to Arsenal. Then they go to Liverpool. And then Wolves, you know? And then, I mean, it, it, I think it's a bit easy after that. But that's not a good start, you know? That, that, that could really just take away their confidence. Nottingham Forest play West Ham. Then they play Everton. Then Tottenham. Then City. Yeah nothing for us to have it a bit decently but it just depends how they come out of that so first impressions for me i think fulham are a, a team that surprised me i think they have a good team chemistry and i think Mitrovic is on top of it this year um i know he always excites us in the beginning and then he kind of falls off as the, as the season goes on but yeah you know what let's just see boys i'm very interested to see how these teams do but as you said yeah i think bournemouth and. uh on Forest, it might, it might, it might, it might not work out for them. But let's just see. Let's see how it goes. There are other teams out here that look like they could be struggling. You know, Leeds are still in the contention. Everton, you know, Everton is, 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 is due Time is coming. <laughs> but enough about that. We'll leave. We'll leave that for another episode, boys. But it's been great. There's not so much we can talk about these game weeks. But listen now. We do hope that you enjoyed this first brothers episode. Uh, don't forget. Do not forget your FPL teams. You know, if you're struggling against Canaan versus Haaland, just go for Holland. He's a shoe in So move, move all the money you can to make sure you have Holland in your team. You know, don't invest in Trent. You know, invest in Nunes if you need another Liverpool player. You know, I'm just giving you all game for free, man. Just free game right here. <laughs> but that's my, that's, my, that's my two cents for for the week. Um, boys, it's time to say goodbye. Ngome, I was about to say goodbye to the lovely listeners.
0: Uh, so lovely listeners out there globally um, I would like to wish you a beautiful week and as the as the weekend approaches enjoy the EPl games uh if you have any questions concerns opinions on what you watch uh in the games uh be sure to reach out to the Forest brothers podcast and we can initiate a conversation out about uh, what you see because we value your opinion out there listeners and uh, as I always say, beautiful day, beautiful night. And uh, it's, it's this life thing, man. Uh, forest brothers out there, uh, the Forest sisters, uh, just keep on enjoying this thing called life. Uh. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, let's embrace it day by day. Thank you. Indeed, we must embrace this thing called life
1: day by day. The show keeps going. What about my boy, Mr. Penguin? I was about to say goodbye to the lovely listeners.
2: Lovely listeners. It's been pleasure being on the pod again. Another week, another pod, more entertainment, more of a, more of a clown show from United, more excellence from Arsenal. Um, I will say, I think Spurs got lucky, you know. I think Solis was a double agent, um, and you guys won't be so lucky next weekend. But I digress. Uh, dear listener, have a great week. Enjoyed the games this weekend. And as always, as as Mangoro said, you know, feel free to reach out, talk to us, engage with us. Uh, We do want to hear from you. Um, And yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll catch y'all next time. Peace.
1: Exactly, exactly. And yeah, if you have not already done so, just a plug: the Forest Brothers do have an Instagram page. Go follow us on Instagram, the Forest Brothers Podcast. Uh, One of the posts as well. It has our Fantasy Premier League team codes so go join our fantasy premier league it's there we'd we'll love to have y'all compete against us it's a good time you know um so definitely join our code it's l-a-i-o-o-f that is l-a-i-o-o-f join our classic league show us what you got and with that listener goodbye and we will catch you on the next one peace out